thank you guys for coming to uh, this session. It's called Ministry Hacks, and then some subtitle that I forgot, but it's kind of long. Uh, Ministry Hacks is something of a, has a double meaning, uh, if you think about it. Um, there's going to, I want to share some tips and tricks about keeping your head above water if you have limited resources, if you're part of a small church. Uh, for those of you joining us online, we are glad that you're listening too. If it resonates for you, like, hey, where did all my helpers go? Where did all my workers go? I'm a, I'm a staff of one uh, for all my brothers and sisters out there. In that situation, I hope that this will bless you. What I plan on doing in this session is sharing just some of my experiences from the last year and some things that have really helped me multiply my efforts and resources as a leader in a small church with uh, dwindling, even diminishing resources. And then... I want to hear from you guys too. So as the things that I'm saying makes you think of things that you've seen in your environments that have worked, we want to hear from you as well. The, the point of this is to be collaborative and uh, hyper-practical. I hope you guys will go home with maybe something like, ah, yes, I could do that, or yes, that would be very helpful. Um, or maybe, maybe not, we'll see. <laughs> but thank you guys for being here, like I said. I want to begin with uh, Jethro. We'll start here with a passage the, from Exodus that you might be quite familiar with. Exodus chapter 18. This is after the crossing of the Red Sea, but before Golden Calf incident, Moses and the Israelites are out in the wilderness, and his father-in-law shows up. By the way, my father-in-law is here right now. Thanks for being here, Jethro. Glad you're here. <laughs> when your father-in-law shows up, you want things to go well, so that's what Moses does, is he takes him around the camp, and here's what we got going, here's, you know, this is our people, and Jethro kind of goes, nice, I like what you're doing here. So he kind of gets this tour of the camp and, and gives him some, some kudos. Well done, Moses. And then this happens. The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people. And they stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, What is this you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses answered him, Because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me, and I decide between the parties inform them of God's decrees and instructions. And Moses' father-in-law replied, What you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me, and I will give you some advice, and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you, the simple cases they can decide themselves. That will, now get this, that will make your load lighter, because they will share it with you. If you do this, and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain, and all these people will go home satisfied. This will make your load lighter, and you will be able to stand the strain. I don't know if those words resonate with you, but they do for me. I am a preaching minister at a church 
in Northern California, a city called Livermore, home of the world's oldest and longest running light bulb. You can come right across the street from my church. It's in a firehouse. It's like a 110 year old uh, incandescent bulb. It's worth the trip just to look at this bulb. <laughs> Uh, but I've been at this congregation for 12 years. It's a congregation that's almost 75 years old, and it has about 75 members currently. When I got to the church in 2010, it had about 225 members, and we were considering at what point do we decide to go to two different services. 12 years later, we're in quite a different situation. Uh, average Sunday attendance, 75, with a handful of folks watching online. You guys all might be familiar with that kind of thing. Um, and 2021 in particular for me as a leader of this church felt like the year that everyone quit. 2020 was the year that we were all figuring things out and going, ah, and like just scrambling. 2021, people had made some decisions and they decided we're going to hand some of the responsibility back. Uh, I lost my full-time youth minister, leaving me as the only full-time staff person. Oh no, we're losing stuff. That's okay. It's funny. It's copy, it's paste. copy and paste. The paste <laughs> That's perfect. Okay, I'm okay with that now. Uh, I also had all of my office volunteers quit. Some of them were old and it was time, but they, you know, when it was like, hey, we're back and I, I need you to do some of the stuff you used to do, they were like, uh, I'm not going to do that anymore. Uh, my children's ministry coordinators quit. Uh, my adult education coordinator quit. I had one out of three elders resign and the other two elders both threatened to quit. Oh my I was left with only one official deacon, which is, is good, and several core families quit the church uh, to go down the street. Just They were like, we don't like what's happening here. You didn't do this quick enough, soon enough, well enough, and uh, they said bye-bye. And uh, so that's, that's, that's where we're at right here. I want everybody to say, poor Jacob. Let's hear it. Poor, poor Jacob. Oh, man. <laughs> Some of you were like, hey, that's been my whole situation. Like, if I had one deacon, that would be amazing. But it was an adjustment for me. I was in a situation that I wasn't used to, and uh, there was less money in the church. There were fewer helpers. I had fewer Sunday worship leaders, fewer uh, teachers, people that I could call on to do different facilities tasks, and I had less time to do way, way more. And you can nod if that sounds familiar. I'm sure it's not, not only my story. Uh, if there was ever a year that I needed some shortcuts, it was 2021. I was thinking, like, man, I need an easy button. Remember those Staples commercials? And like, use the easy button. And it's like, okay, cool. Let's make things easy, make the complications go away. <laughs> they don't actually work. That, that's good language, though. My wife and I, we have five kids. And sometimes in the evening we go, oh, we can't make dinner from scratch. We're not going to do anything fancy. We just, should we just do an easy button dinner? It's like, yeah, let's just order a pizza. Boom. Hit the easy button. It's a lifesaver. You don't want to do it all the time, but sometimes you need an easy button. Well, I was in a church season where I was not in a position to make an eight-course meal from scratch and reinvent the wheel and, and do things. I was just trying to survive. This was you'd scramble and just keep your head above water. I realized I needed to multiply myself. I needed to stretch our resources. I needed to get some things off my plate, find more hours in the week. And that's what this session is about, is those seasons, and again, it's not the whole time. What we're going to talk about here is not what you ought to do in perpetuity, but it's just some stories that I want to share of things that really helped in a time when I needed help and I couldn't find help. So I want to take the next 15 or 20 minutes or so, and I want to share with you some of the stories 
from my ministry, some of the shortcuts that I've uh, discovered that have really helped me, and not just ones that are post-pandemic and the shift that went along with that, but all along the way, kind of some things where some seeds were planted earlier on, and then they really benefited me during uh, a tricky season. And so I'm going to share some stories, and then I want to hear from you. Like I said earlier, I want you to share with this group what has helped you in a situation where you're, you're light on help, a good resource that maybe the rest of us don't know about. Like if you raise your hand and say, Canva.com has great graphics templates that you can use if you are not blessed with a uh, church tech person. And they're free for churches. Yeah, yeah, awesome. So uh, keep those in mind. I'm going to open it up, and we want to hear from you guys as well. But the way I want to go through these stories, poor Jacob, we did. Jethro, we did. Copy and paste. We'll see if you can come back. I kind of thought of like a game show format. These are all just sort of titles for each of the stories that I want to share. And we might not get through all of them, but I want someone to just raise your hand and pick one, and I, we'll start there. And that's the story that I'll tell. And here's the fun part. Some of these have prizes attached to them. So if you pick... One of the correct ones, you get to choose a fancy prize. So if nothing else, you'll go home with some swag. Ah, see, we got some volunteers. Good. Would you like to choose one? I think God picked. Let's do copy paste. Copy and paste. Okay. Uh, we'll take this one. We'll just set this over here. And I'll let you know if there's a prize attached to it. This one doesn't have one. Sorry, but that's all right. Um, copy and paste is... Um, this does have to do with post-pandemic. A lot of other churches, we live stream for a good... Oh, you know what? I forgot. Let me rewind. I need to do some delegating right now. Make Jethro proud. Uh, can someone who has a, a watch or a, a reliable phone, can you be my timekeeper? And All right, Caleb, for each story, let's say, uh, let's say like two minutes. If I go past two minutes, just give me a little high sign. Uh, yeah, that'll be good. That way everybody will know that I'm being long-winded. Yeah, that'll be perfect. So yeah, you're my timekeeper. Thank you, Caleb. Good delegating. Um, yeah, when getting set up with the live stream, we, we knew that we, we needed to be able to broadcast the thing because we still had a lot of people staying home. And I knew some things about tech, but again, like my I, tech deacon that used to just solve these things was out of commission and not available. I said, all right. So I did. I went to my father-in-law and I said, what is your church doing? And he told me exactly what they were doing. And he set up, or he, he walked me through their live stream process, the software that they were using, uh, the, the OBS software that a lot of you are familiar with, I'm sure. It's like, this is free. You get a camera, you point to the stage, troubleshooting. I copied and pasted. I said, I'm going to do exactly what you are doing. And the reason, or one of the reasons that that helped is because if I had then had a problem later on, it wasn't go to the online community and try to troubleshoot it or like figure it out myself. Again, there's seasons where you want to build things specifically for your organization or your group and it will help. But I was like, I'm just gonna do what you're doing and this is gonna get me to getting up and running. And it's been really, really helpful because Tony knows what he's doing. He was about a year ahead of us down the road when it came to live streaming and troubleshooting problems and bandwidths and all this stuff that I don't know anything about, but he does. And so I said, let's just take what you're doing and do the same thing. Now, that doesn't always translate. Uh, there's, there's sort of a gray area when it comes to plagiarism and uh, just taking someone else's sermon and passing it off as your own, and that's, that's where we want to be cautious. But don't always uh, reinvent the wheel. Like, take something that somebody has done and say, this works there, let's do the same thing and see if it helps us out. Okay, who's got another story they want to hear from up here and potentially win a prize? Yes, sir? Don't catch the baby. <laughs> <laughs> 
Don't catch the baby. You know what? I forgot. We're going to do this one last. Most of these can, can be interchangeable, but this one I want to save for last. So I'm glad you pointed that one out. We'll talk about that one a little bit later. And there's no prize attached to that one either. You guys are starting to wonder. Why are the prizes hidden? Come on. All right, Fran? Um, the three free weeks. Three free weeks. All right. Let's talk about three free weeks. I asked. I don't think I, I, I didn't invent this wheel either. I think I heard about somebody else doing this and said, you know what? I want to do this. So it used to be my former rhythm as a preaching minister is that I would take the month of August and I would get folks in the church to guest preach for me. I'd have an elder speak one week. I'd have, you know, former minister guy who's really good at speaking, like just cover all or most of the weeks in August so that I can use that month as sermon prep for the whole year. I'd even go away for a week and I would like plan out the text that I was going to preach. I'd start to read some books and like August was planning month for me. But when things went crazy and I lost a bunch of people, I went, I don't really have that month to plan anymore. I was, I was almost going week to week with sermon texts and just, you know, again, trying to keep my head above water. But the idea that I heard was, let's get some other local ministers, and in this case, three others who are within one and a half hours driving distance and say, how about this August, we all write one sermon in the same series and we travel to each other's churches and we just rotate each Sunday. So each Sunday we preach one sermon and then we, so you write one sermon for the month, and then the other weeks you use as planning to get farther down the road. Uh, the congregations get uh, the blessing of different voices each week coming in with a, a great message. So yeah, I teamed up with, with three other guys from my area, and this is something that we're going to be doing this August. And I went, wow, I just bought myself three free weeks of planning that I didn't have before. So if you're able to do that, do that. That's, that's the three free weeks, and you can too. Okay. Who else wants to take a shot at the board? Yes, sir. One man's trash. One man's <laughs> trash. Doki. One man's trash. Okay. Um, we were noticing in our worship sanctuary auditorium that our, our tech was in need of some help. Our soundboard was not great, and somebody said, you need to upgrade to a digital soundboard. You know, you're getting all kinds of feedback frequencies, and I can eliminate those if I had a different gear. Well, how much does that cost? Well, you know, 1,500 to 3,500 bucks. Well, we don't have that. Also, our screen was old and dated and blurry, and it was just driving me crazy, not bright. And, and I mean, this is not heavy, heavy gospel discipleship stuff, but this is the practical things that we were dealing with. We didn't have the money for it. They were saying, you got to choose between one or the other. Do you want people in your church to be able to hear well or see well? I was like, ah, I'd like to have both. Somebody made a passing comment like, you know, Cornerstone's got 8,000 members. They're the big dog down the street. Like, they upgrade their tech all the time, and the stuff that they put in a storage closet is probably nicer than what we're using right now. You should just ask them for their stuff. And I said, that's a great idea. So I started cold calling big churches and was like, hey, you're a big church and I'm a small church. Do you have anything you want to pass along to us? Uh, and I called this church that's out in Modesto about an hour away and they said, yes, come on Thursday and bring a trailer. Wow. I said, okay, cool. And I, I went back and forth with this minister with some of the, the, the projector needs, the audio cables and microphones and things like that. Uh, and I went there and I came home with a projector that was way nicer than the one that we had. 
They probably paid like five to 10,000 for it when it was new, but wow. it was still in good working shape. I got microphones, microphone cables. I got some stage and some, uh, some stage lighting, just this theater lights that you can mount. I had some college students in my church that knew what to do with those. They also said, do you want this electric drum set and this bass amp and this guitar amp? And I was like, yes, that's what the acapella Churches of Christ need, an electric drum set. But um, I took those two and we put them in the youth space and there we go. So one man's trash is another man's treasure. And these churches were very, very generous about this. They were happy. They're like, yeah, we do this all the time. Like, we want to help out other churches. We know that, like, our tech is here and theirs is here, but we want to pass it along. So ask. Ask for handouts. <laughs> yes, sir. I'm wondering your LHR. LHR. Interesting, right? Intriguing, yes. LHR happens to be one of our stories that has a prize attached to it. Everybody clap. You want a prize. Okay, so you get the first choice. You get a Pepperdine hat or a Pepperdine t-shirt that says Pepperdine on it six times or this handsome Tri-Valley Church of Christ coffee mug. Which would you like? Size large t-shirt, by the way. That's all that could get. I'll take your coffee mug. You got it. Everybody clap for the coffee mug. Okay, LHR stands for Livermore Homeless Refuge. This is something that kind of came into the works four or five years ago, and it was because of a relationship that I had with uh, some other folks that I'll tell you about in a little bit. And uh, there was this organization that wanted to house homeless people in the city, and it was an emergency housing situation. It wasn't like get them back on their feet and rehabilitate them. It was like they're sleeping in the rain. They're sleeping in the cold. Can we provide a safe environment for people who are living in their cars or sleeping under bridges. And so they worked really hard to establish this. One of the, the churches that was hosting Livermore Homeless Refuge had a fire and they couldn't host them anymore. And they said, hey, we need another site. I said, well, what does that mean for our church? They said, basically, we have our own volunteers. We have our own infrastructure. The woman who runs it is like really strict on security and screening the guests who come in. So it's a safe environment for volunteers. All you pretty much have to do is let us use your space and give us a key and we'll take care of the rest. And we said, that's an easy one. So uh, we said yes, and it turned out to be great. It gave us more volunteer opportunities to you know, raise funds for the homeless refuge, to, to uh, solicit donations from our, our youth group and events, things that we were doing. Also, each night they need somebody to take a shift to just kind of make sure the guests aren't going in and out. And uh, so we got to volunteer. We got to invite our congregation to volunteer. We had a better answer to the question for the people who are coming to our door, like, what, what can I do? We used to be like, we don't know. Like, good luck. Uh, that's not really what we're equipped for. But we built this relationship with Donna, who's the head of the Livermore Homeless Refuge. And it just really blessed us. So over the last several years, they were shut down during the, the pandemic for a long time. But the woman who runs it is still just very much connected with people, uh, individuals. She'll get them sleeping bags. She'll get them tents. She'll find them like cheap housing in a hotel while she raises money. Like she's this powerhouse lady. And we just kind of got to ride her coattails. She needed uh, space, like storage space to store donations and kind of have a meeting place for meeting with uh, homeless folks. And so we opened up one of our, our classrooms in our building that wasn't being used. And we said, yeah, make this your home base. And so for the last three or four years, um, we have kind of have this cool relationship with Livermore Homeless Refuge. It didn't take a lot on our part, but they were already up and running, and we just kind of poured fuel on their fire. So that's another way to not reinvent the wheel. Find people who are doing the kind of stuff you want to do, and partner with them instead of like coming, like creating a competitive or, or parallel helping effort. 
That's LHR. Enjoy your coffee mug. <laughs> Anybody else want to take a shot? Yes, sir. Free bird. Free bird. This one's short. I'm pretty sure, uh, I just want to check and make sure. I have notes up here. Oh, yeah. Free bird. Starbucks and Jamba Juice will donate free drinks to a church event. Just call them. That's it. That's the tip. If you're having a, a, a breakfast or a training or something like that, just call up Starbucks and say, hey, can you donate free coffee? And they'll say, yes. Jamba Juice does the same thing. Uh, movie theaters, if you're having like a youth event or a movie night, just say, like, can you give me a huge bag of popcorn? They say, yep. I don't know if this is true in your area, but this is what I found in mine. It's a great way to get good coffee and smoothies. That's it. Any others? The eagle has landed. The eagle has landed. Awesome. So, I was at our church. Like I said, I've been there 12 years. I was there maybe seven or eight years when I noticed, hey, there's this shed on our property. And I don't know what it is. It's locked. I don't know whose it is. I don't know why we have it. And then somebody informed me after all this time, it uh, belongs to the Boy Scouts. There's a Boy Scout local troop, and they have one of those, you know, like those sheds you can buy at Home Depot that uh, it looks like a, a, a building. It's weatherproof and all that. And they store some of their supplies in there. I said, wow, that's really nice of us to let them store it there for free. And they thought so too. And after a while, they started saying, you know, we really appreciate you letting us use your land. Can we do anything for you? And we said, yes, why don't you? Uh, and so there's always Eagle Scouts that are looking to get their, their Eagle Scout award. They have to do a project that benefits the community. There's coordination involved. There's fundraising involved. And so we've had Eagle Scouts do things on our church property that has really helped us out. We haven't if we haven't been able to do it ourselves, we say, yes, you guys organize it. In fact, I think this coming weekend, there's an Eagle Scout group that's going to refurbish our playground. They're going to repaint the, the structures. They're taking out some old rotten wooden boards. There's some safety concerns that they're going to resolve and help us get more safe for the kids, which is good news for me and all my children. Uh, but yeah, the Boy Scouts are looking for stuff to do. Uh, so we had Eagle Scouts do our playground. We had another Eagle Scout group uh, measure and make a plan for repainting the interior of our Family Life Center building. Back in the fall, we, we did a walk through the property of one of these Boy Scout reps. I'm like, yeah, we so appreciate you letting us use your shed or your property for our shed. Uh, my husband has a mulch company or like a tree company or whatever. Do you guys ever need your, your flower beds redone with mulch? And we said, yes, yes, we do, because it looked really shabby and we weren't able to get it back up to speed. So in one Saturday, they dumped all this stuff in our beds and in this like uh, front property where there used to be grass. And they just, they dumped this mulch and they spread it all around. I showed up for church on Sunday and it looked awesome. I said, well, cool. So Boy Scouts need stuff to do. You might have stuff they could do. That's that. Two more prizes swimming around out there. Who wants to? <laughs> Doug and Curtis. Doug and Curtis. Okay. Actually, here it says Curtis and Doug, but it also says that there's a prize attached to this story. So, would you like the Pepperdine shirt or the Pepperdine hat? I'll do the hat. You got it. I'm gonna throw it. Can you catch it on your head? Oh, that was a bad throw. That, that was not your fault. Uh, okay, so Curtis and Doug, I, there are two ministers in Livermore. One is a 
minister, preaching minister from the Church of the Nazarene, and one is a preaching minister for the Vineyard Church in town. I got connected with Curtis and Doug through a larger local network of ministers meeting. Like they would, there's one guy who said like, hey, all the ministers, let's have lunch together once a month. And I would go to those sometimes. Curtis and Doug were kind of regulars there. We started to kind of see each other more often than the other people who were kind of in and out. And we, st uh, we started doing a weekly meeting where it started out as a coffee meeting. It's like, let's have coffee on Thursday and just check in with each other. No agenda, just a commitment to, if we're all available on Thursday, we'll have a standing meeting uh, Thursday at 3 o'clock. Soon, D Doug's a big fan of like craft beer and stuff, so like that turned into a beer meeting every uh, Thursday at 3.30. I mean, not that it was required to drink beer, but he moved the venue from Pete's Coffee over to the Ale House in Livermore, and he likes to enjoy a beer with his Thursday afternoons. And so, uh, not the point of the story, but a true detail, and I would be happy that I shared that with you. So these two, we, we just kind of get together, and what came from this regular meeting meeting after meeting after meeting was just sharing ideas. It was not like, okay, now is the part of our meeting where we talk about what we're preaching. Now is the part of our meeting where we complain about our elders. Or like, there, was, there was no agenda. It was just like, how's it going? Sometimes we talk about movies. Sometimes we talk about life. But from this relationship and from showing up week after week after week, we developed trust with each other and we shared ideas. Not because we had to, but just because we naturally did. What does your church do? Oh, you know, we did that. I'm going to be preaching on Revelation this spring. Oh, you know what? I was thinking about preaching Revelation too. What resources are you using? What commentaries? Oh, you know, I have that one. I'm going to let you borrow that. A lot of cool things have happened just from maintaining this relationship with these other local ministers. We've collaborated on uh, shared Good Friday services. Um, there's a longer story that I don't have time to tell now as that sound tells us, but Curtis and I eventually developed a, a program to go into middle schools and do presentation on social emotional learning for middle schoolers about, you know, being kind to your neighbor. And it, it's basically like these Jesus talks where we don't say Jesus, but we bless the teachers and we bless the students and we go on campus and we're this positive presence and we're shooting finger guns. And like all of this happened because Curtis and Doug and I started having coffee every Thursday together. And I'll say this with a little bit of extra time. A lot of busy ministers say no to these kinds of relationships. They don't go to area lunches. They don't start area lunches. Uh, they skip out on the Curtis and Doug meeting because they're so busy and they gotta finish their, their slides or they gotta make this phone call or do this visit. Don't do that. I'm sure there's a class happening on campus where, where someone is saying, here's a class on saying no to things. Like you do need to say mo no to more things and that's probably true for some of us. But these are the kinds of meetings you need to say yes to because they will bear fruit in ways that you can't predict. That's Curtis and Doug. A couple more up there. We've got, yeah, well, I think we'll probably get through all these. We'll at least find the next prize. Anybody want to take a shot at where it is hidden? Uh, piggyback ride. Piggyback ride. I think I remember what this one was. So the piggyback ride is, uh, I reached out to another Church of Christ minister in the area. Maybe your church... Christ has a Church of Christ counterpart where like some members from your church went over to their church and some members of their church are now at your church and it's kind of like yeah you know we're very similar except for the, the ways that we're different and that's why we have these two churches but I called up their preaching minister there I said hey let's get tacos so we went and had tacos one day this was you know not too long after things opened up and we were actually able to get tacos in person again he casually mentions oh we're doing this fundraiser event walk for water 
which maybe some of you guys have participated in from Healing Hands International, you know. Uh, he's like, we're doing it on October 7th. If you guys want to come and join, then do it. And we said, I was like, yeah, I haven't even been able to wrap my head around our coming events calendar. We'd love to partner with you. So they planned it. They organized it. He sent me the link. I advertised it to my congregation. We ended up bringing like 12 or 13 people to partner with them. I, I, I meant to call him up earlier and say, hey, can we bring anything? Can we help her come early and set up tables? But I forgot to do that. So we just showed up and we participated. We piggybacked on an event that they were already doing. And it was great. It was great to get the two churches together that we realized, oh, we know the same people. Oh, we love the same Jesus. Oh, we're connected in so many cool ways. And I didn't have to plan anything. Now, you know, it would be nice of you to then invite others to do that and to, to kind of pay it forward when you can. But like I said, if you're in a season where you're like, I don't know, uh, Piggyback on something that somebody else is doing. Okay, maybe I have time for one more, and then I want to hear from you guys. Ever show up? Show up. Um, maybe we'll have time for two more. I think that the idea behind here I mentioned already. This is, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of ministers stop going to think like people stop coming to harbor because they're like yeah i've heard it before i got a bunch of stuff to do and i'm just trying to get through this resist that urge is my advice show up say yes connect with people yeah that's what that one is about so let's have one more if you want to choose another one since yours kind of got short uh cheated oh you know what i'm seeing that showing up has a prize attached to it hey <laughs> You get the pepper shirt. Thank you. Enjoy. Poor Jacob, we did. Tell Vandu straight. Don't worry about that. Uh, don't catch the baby. I said we get to that one. I have a compulsion, maybe you could call it, that when things start to, when you start to lose people, when you start to ministries don't have leaders, you, who's going to jump in and do this? Who's, whose desk does it fall on? Well, the, the person who's left or the person whose name is on the door. And there's this compulsion to, here's the image is like someone's holding a baby and the baby is between someone's arms and about to hit the ground. And you can't let the baby drop. Like, so you want to jump in and you want to catch the baby. You got to save this ministry. Oh, we got to keep this going. Oh, we lost this volunteer. If, if I can't find someone to do it, I'm just going to have to do it myself. The word of wisdom is don't catch the baby. <sighs> I mean, catch an actual baby, but uh, as far as the illustration goes in ministry, you don't have to catch all the babies. Sometimes, if you uh, let a baby drop, you'll find out that nobody, nobody cares. And the thing that, like, this ministry that maybe needed to drop, uh, it dropped and everybody went, oh, we didn't even notice the difference. And you go, that's great feedback because now I don't feel like I have to do that. I don't feel like we're taking volunteer resources and energy from here when we actually need them over here. It can be very enlightening. It can be a very helpful thing when ministries start to drop. Sometimes something will drop and people will go, oh, no, like we love that. We need that. You know, what can we do to get that going again? You can say, well, here's exactly what we need. Like this many people and this many hours and what, if you'd like to do this, we can train you and all this. Sometimes things will be revived because there's, you know, people don't realize what they may have been taking for granted. But uh, resist the urge to catch every baby that drops. That's part of what makes us busy and crazy. Sunday night church. Sunday night church, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Okay, that's 
the televangelist trade is just, uh, I'll do that one real quick because it's there and you might be wondering. Oh, thanks. Our church got really used to uh, video sermons during the pandemic when, when we couldn't meet in person. I pre-recorded the messages, uh, you know, it's me on a video. And um, so when we got back in person, there were weeks when like the guest speaker was sick or exposed to somebody who might have COVID and it was just like all these different reasons or one of my daughters was coughing so I had to stay home and anyway they kind of became okay or more used to seeing their their Sunday morning sermon happen on a video and I was having a hard time finding uh, guest speakers and like, we used to have people come in and we'd pay for them to stay in a hotel and we'd give them a nice honorarium and it's like well the budget's not there for that anymore but I needed some guest speakers so that I could have a week off so that I could you know get out of town and so I reached out to some other preachers I knew who were also doing video sermons and said, hey, I need you to just take one of your best sermons, record it, put a Tri-Valley greeting on the front of it, and send it my way. I'm not going to pay you for it. I would love to. But instead, like, I will return the favor later on down the road. So kind of got in this cool exchange where I picked some great speakers that I knew were blessing their churches. They did one Sunday morning message. And then later on down the road, I recycled one of my finest messages and helped them out in the same way. So you know, that's what the televangelist trade was. Those are some of the things that have, that have helped me and some of the, like I said, easy button solutions, some shortcuts. Uh, I want to hear from you. Does anything come to mind? I want to do another delegation. Can I get somebody who has pretty decent handwriting and could come and write some of these suggestions on the board for us? Because if you don't, I have to do it myself, and Jethro would not approve of that. All right, Stephen, you're getting voluntold. Come on up here. <laughs> okay, so do your best to summarize what people will share with us. Please, if you have a, some kind of uh, ministry hack, a tip or a trick that has helped bless your congregation and your efforts, please. Caleb. Well, we had a combo of the televangelists and the three weeks off. So I got together with ministers from a couple other churches. We set up cameras and we did a round table. We talked for about 90 minutes on like three different questions and we recorded it all. And then for us, Memorial Day, 4th of July and Labor Day weekend, we didn't meet. Like we have 20 attendants. So instead of putting together a whole church service and teachers and communion speaking and all that stuff, we're just going online the holiday weekends, and we just edited the video, and it was just a round table. So between our three churches and three Sundays, that was nine sermons that we knocked out in 90 minutes. Oh, nice. You know, as a, as a group. And I think it's interesting because the dialogue and conversation, it creates something different, you know? And I think it also provides a humanity to the preachers that sometimes is not seen at church when they're talking to their cohort and they're talking to people in the same space. Yep. Uh, and there was even a couple times where they felt bold enough to say like, I don't know if I'd say this in a sermon, but this is a problem, you know, like <laughs> there was like a, a good honesty I think that came out of it too. Yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. Thanks for sharing that. And thanks for doing that. What else you got? Yeah. I was going to say, our, our church is, uh, well, I don't want to use the word unique, but it's, there's not as many churches. Like we're, we're bilingual English and Spanish together. And we worship together. So when we did our messages, our video messages during that time, um, we also had to translate them into Spanish, into mm. Spanish, you know, sub subtitles underneath of that. And that took a little bit of extra time and, and effort. And luckily, we've got some people that we 
in a circle that we could actually send our message to so they could hurry up and get it translated and get it back to us so my wife could end up doing her magic and getting it on the on the videos oh okay so that was interesting was the translations that's cool yeah that reminds me too when you when there's something like that that needs to get done then you put somebody else in the driver's seat you say hey we need you to help us with this now you're it's not just one person kind of fine-tuning things and then getting up and doing what has always been done but like you're bringing more people into the team you're almost like deputizing unofficial leaders and saying hey, this is how you guys are contributing what did you write subtitles <laughs> cool keeping it short yes i have a couple things um don could maybe expand on the one of them because he's doing the class i found that the the series the chosen is amazing mm -hmm. And Don does a class on that and takes a clip out of it. And then, you know, he, but he has done a really beautiful class with that. Um, and that's just a really moving thing, especially with all the crazy stuff that we've been through. So that's one thing. The other thing that I thought of that is just kind of strange, but we're getting new chairs for, we're getting rid of pews and getting new chairs. And um, actually Don came up with this idea too, that <coughs> the pews are gonna be used as flooring at Camp Yamhill in one of the buildings. So I just thought that was kind of, you know, kind of, because people hate to get rid of pews. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> sure there's some stories about, so, don't touch so, those pews. So anyway, I, I think it's nice that it's gonna be repurposed into a floor. Yeah, that's great. And then you get the chosen up there, nice. I think Don? a follow up on the really good video series. And I think you, you have to, you started off saying that you, here's what the chosen is and here's what it's not. You know, there's a lot of conjecture in it, but we couldn't get people coming back to teach class. Nobody wants to commit to a quarter classes. So you say, you show 15 minutes of this film, and here are five questions to answer. It's fun, it's easy, and it's powerful. And the people who are doing it say, wow, I'm glad you asked me to do that. Mm -hmm. And instead of the same guy teaching 14 weeks, you can, you know, you have one guy who kind of does, okay, I do two out of three of them, but you pull in somebody. But there are a lot of good video series like that where nobody wants to watch a video the whole time. But, you know, the Ray Vanderlyn kind of stuff where you say, just show the video for 15 minutes or 20 minutes and then ask these five questions. And most good series come with a workbook that have questions you can pick out. Mm -hmm. These are the questions we're going to use. So for us, getting people to teach has been hard after the pandemic. Nobody wants to sign up for a commitment. But if they're just showing a film, a good film, and uh, asking discussion questions, that staffs it. And what she was saying about, I appreciate the people who gave up vacations to pay for the old pews. And, uh, but if you feel like you're they're in the way of things you're trying to do. And you gotta get, you, you, you can't do anything. I mean, there's no market for it. Secondary mm. market, we couldn't find one. But if you can find, these are gonna be donated to a really good cause. Yeah. It, it ha it's taken us 30 years to do it. But, uh. That's awesome. That reminds me of a principle I heard about, you know, organizations when there's growth and then there's like plateau and they decline if there's not like an S curve like an upswing kind of thing and during that time when it's time to transition either up or down honoring the past is important 
Because if you make changes, people feel like, oh, you know, you're getting rid of our pew. We, that, that's a quote right there. We gave up vacation time. We remember the vacation that our family for go for good for forsake for went. Oh, good. I'm learning too. We didn't go on our vacation so that we could worship and, and bless this. And now you're just going to toss them. That's a great way to honor the past and say, no, 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 we're going to we're going to see these. We're take them apart. Yeah. Reuse them and recycle them for a really good cause at Camp Young Hill that everybody gets behind. That's cool. Well done. Yes, sir. Um, we became during the during the pandemic too. During the pandemic, I'm Jim Harvin from Memphis. Um, we became a remote learning center, so the kids that I go to who are learning virtually, then instead of them being at home by themselves, we opened up our church and they were able to do that and, and practice social distancing and all that stuff. But we became that did that, and that was a real blessing to the community. The second one, you mentioned uh, something about going into the schools. Hmm. There is an evidence-based program from the University of Minnesota called Check and Connect. It's a mentoring program, and it focuses on attendance and behavior. It teaches you how to do it, and also it collects the data. The schools love it because churches that go in and do that, then they're actually helping them to benefit the students uh, in the classroom. And so that's a, it's just check and connect, it's evidence-based, it works. So anyway. That's awesome. I appreciate you sharing that. The University of Minnesota? Yeah. Yeah. And in my experience, too, what you're saying is absolutely true. There's, it's weird. Even now there's like this, this understanding with people in our churches that like, oh, they don't say the prayer in the churches. And like they're taking God out of our schools. I mean, the schools. Um, every experience I've had of getting an opportunity to go in, the, like uh, the youth ministers were invited in to do a talk on depression and, and suicide, uh, suicide prevention and depression awareness after some students took their lives uh, in the district. And that we came in and we did these presentations and they're like, we want as much of that as you can do. We want you guys on campus because you're a positive presence, because you're people that <coughs> folks can go to. Um, the schools are like, have their arms open. They, I mean, it's, it's a, like I said, it's a whole other talk, but they're uh, very appreciative for people who can come in and say, hey, we just want to love this community and serve. Yeah. Do you have the, the resources that you use for those classes? Because that would be interesting. Yes. I'll connect with you uh, after that. Thanks for asking. Two more. Yes, sir. So I listened to Jared Robinson a little bit ago, and it, it fits in with this. It's uh, connection over content. And so when we were in the pandemic, it was all about content. We got to get our content online. We got to Zoom. We got to get, you know, all this content out there. And then people are lonely. And so some some things I love that don't catch the baby. We we dropped uh, Wednesday night um, gathering. I went to our elders and I said, Hey, I'm going to do something with the youth, and I'm going to be working with the youth. You as the elders, I want you guys to put together something for the adults. And they were like, Yeah, we're not going to do that. So, mm. so they dropped the baby, you know, so I threw it to them. Um, but what happened of not having that time of content on Wednesday night, connections began to happen. So we had one lady came up and said, we got to do a progressive dinner. I used to do this and I want to organize this. Another one came up and said, we got to do a church camping trip and get people together. Um, you know, another one says, we need to start getting, you know, calling and connecting. And so connection began to happen because we took out that element of 
of content. So that's something that I keep coming back to is that we need connection in a lonely, isolated place. Yeah, yeah. I think you're on the right track. Thanks for sharing that. Yes, sir. One more. And uh, we got to uh, let you guys go. Yeah, uh, two quick points, kind of in reference to the subtitles that you, you, know, you mentioned, you know, delegation, letting other people do things that they're good at. Uh, someone once told me, I said, if someone, because, you know, none of us have critics at church, you know, <laughs> what can be done better, of course. But if people come up and they have suggestions and if they can do it, Someone wants to me, if someone says they can do something 75% better than you, then let them do it. Mm, yeah. Like, why would you keep doing it yourself, you know, taking on more on your plate, and someone can do it at least 75% better? Um, so that, and then another mentor of mine said, uh, suggested if you can find another church that has multiple services in a day or a special event at another time, like, you have to find a way to go somewhere to be able to engage worship fully for yourself, and then also be taught and fed um, at times. You might not be able to do it every week, you might not do it every month, but you have to be able to find times to get yourself out of where you're always thinking about being on or being involved or what's working and what's not working, and find a place or multiple places that you like to rotate to enjoy you know, time with God with, by yourself or with your family. Um, kind of rejuvenate yourself and get different perspectives now. He said, it's hard not to go to other places and evaluate what do they do well, what do we do, what do we lack. Mm -hmm. like, but that's why you have to pick a handful or one that you'll do consistently because once you get past that first or second service where you're evaluating, which will come naturally to us, then you can go in and truly be fed, worship, and be you know, engaged. Yeah, yeah, that's super important. Okay. I was just going to say, seconds. that is such an amazing thing. My husband and I are church planting in El Paso, Texas. And one, of the, and one of the things that we decided to do is that instead of having our services on Sunday morning, because our main goal is to get people who don't go to church to go to church. Hmm. So our services are actually going to be at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, 3.30 in the afternoon. And we are already a member of a church that we love and we're not leaving that church to start our church because we always want to be fed because otherwise we're not we're not giving out of abundance yeah yeah this is this is good stuff i really appreciate you guys being here please you know keep this conversation going if you want to connect with me i'm around my information's on the app or steven write my email up on the board jay parnell at tri-valley church um but thank you for doing what you're doing all you in the room and all of you online as well. Um, keep doing it well. And um, yeah, that's pretty much all I got. <laughs> a, a blessing to you all.